Go to Matthew chapter 4. While you're standing, Matthew chapter 4. We will have it up on the screen. And we're going to start in verse 17. And we're just going to give honor to God's word. Amen. We're going to give it first place, right where it belongs, as we celebrate what God is saying. And you can look up on the screen, but I appreciate it if you turn in your Bibles there. No matter what translation you're reading out of, it's really helpful to be able to follow along and, and learn how to use our own Bible. It occurred to me this morning as I had three digital Bibles open on my desktop that I needed to turn off my computer and open my Bible. Because you know what? It, I had this experience. I've got a GPS. Anybody have a GPS? How many know it's the greatest invention since the Bible? And uh, for, for those of us that are directionally challenged, we're, we're praising God when, we, when we're in the big city with one of those. And uh, I've got one of those, but here's what I've noticed. Whenever I travel to a city that I'm not familiar with and I use my GPS, I notice that I'm watching my GPS and not the landmarks of the city. Does this happen to anybody else? So that if it's to malfunction or I happen to leave it in the hotel room and I get out of my car, I have no idea where I'm going because I've not paid attention to the way. Because the GPS has so showed me the way, I've not even paid attention to what's going on out there. Now, it occurred to me this morning as I had three digital Bibles open that I've got to be careful that I don't just live in digital land to the point that I don't know how to turn the pages of a real Bible and that I don't lose my way. You know what I mean? Because we, we don't know in our culture, society, and our world that we're going to have this tomorrow. We don't, we don't know that we're going to have the Internet. We don't know if... If it's even going to be here, because it does occasionally malfunction. I don't know if you've noticed that. I noticed that when I had 63 unopened old emails in my inbox this morning from Yahoo, which indeed I have opened and deposited right where they belong. Amen. The trash fall. But they all showed back up because there was a malfunction in the program. But listen, we don't know that we're going to have that. But we do know that I'm going to have this book right here somewhere where I can get to it. But we need to learn how to use it. Amen. All right, hope you're encouraged. All right, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Let's see what God has to say about what it means to be equipped for ministry, which literally means, in the way we say it around here, is every member a minister. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a minister. We're all ministers of the grace of God. So don't think in terms of the ministry vocationally. Think in terms of, I'm a minister. Say, I'm a minister. minister. Say, in the name of Jesus, I declare, I I am a minister. Of the gospel. Man, I feel just led to rip off on some confessions this morning, okay? I'm getting all crunk up up in here. Come on. I'm not going to let that go, by the way, because I'm starting to feel it a little bit. All right. Don't know what's happening to me. Something's happening. It's making me want to move a little bit. I saw them dancing. I'm like going, man, give me a chance. I saw Sammy do the Holy Ghost shuffle up here. I'm like, man, T. Sammy had to teach me that. I don't know if it could be taught. Maybe just caught. I don't know. All right. Are you with me? Wherever I'm going. I don't know. Matthew four seventeen. From that time, Jesus, look what he began to do. Preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means it is near right now. Right here. Say right here. Right, here. right, now. right now. Verse 18, Jesus said... Some of you almost said verse 18, didn't you? And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Verse 19, then he said to them, follow me and I will make you. Say, I will make you. Say, I will make. 
Say, Jesus will make. Now, let's read what it says. He says, I will make you fishers of men. In other words, fishers of men are not born, they're made. In other words, disciples are not born, they're made. Don't think in terms of, well, some people are more naturally, they have a propensity towards or a natural affinity for discipleship. No, disciples are not born, they're made. That means any person in here who's ready, who's willing, who desires to be a disciple of Jesus can be made into a disciple of Jesus. So know if you're made, not born into this thing. Now you're born again before you can be a disciple, although there is and you can actually begin discipling people pre-Christ, by the way. I had an experience this week where I got to do that and I may share that later. So here we go. All right, say, just remember this. Disciples are not born, they are made. They are made. And remember what we said about being made last week. Everything God makes or builds, He what? He tests. All right? Amen or oh my on that one. All right. Then He said to them, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. They immediately, someone say immediately. immediately. They didn't go away and pray about it, folks. Well, I believe God's calling me to the ministry. Oh, I better pray about this. Well, I believe God's called me to be a missionary. Well, I better pray. I better wait till I have an inspiring moment at a conference before I can actually acknowledge this. The day that I met Jesus Christ, I was in the sixth grade at a little church called Flint Avenue Baptist Church at a Friday night revival service. The preacher was up there preaching some serious sulfur. I smelled the sulfur. I smelled hell when he preached. I'm talking hellfire and brimstone. Come on, somebody. And he scared the hell out of me, literally. And so in the sixth grade, I heard the gospel, man, being preached with fire and passion. And man, in the midst of 25 to 35 little gray-haired, blue-haired people, praise God for gray-haired, blue-haired saints. Amen? In the midst of that, God reached in and touched my heart and touched my life. And I was introduced to Jesus Christ. In that little Baptist church, Flint Avenue, Lubbock, Texas. And God began to speak to me. And you know what? I didn't have to go away and pray about it. Well, maybe I should just wait till next week. Well, I wouldn't come into church next week. It's the first time I'd been. I could count on my hand the number of times I'd been to church. And when that preacher began to preach the gospel and something stirred in me, he said, now everybody who wants to follow Jesus, I want you to look at me. So what did I do? I immediately left my net and looked up. I looked at him. Then he said this. He pulled a stunt on us. I may pull one on you. You never know. He said, now, if you looked at me, I want you to get up out of your seat and come down here. Now, here's the deal. At that point, I didn't go, oh, now it's too hard. I wanted Jesus a few seconds ago, but now I don't know if I have to walk in front of people. See, that's not my personality. I'm an introvert by nature. So I, it would have been easy for me to sit back and just do the pinky thing. It's easy to lift your pinky to Jesus. It's easy to check a box on a card. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I want more information. But when someone actually says, stand up for Jesus and walk down an aisle in front of a group of people you've never met in your life and be counted for Christ. Let me tell you something. If it's real, if it's real, you'll stand up in front of a million people. You'll stand up in front of a hall of Muslims and walk down the aisle if you have to to get a hold of Jesus. You'll stand up in the middle of anywhere and say, I'm, I'm all about Jesus if it's real. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the sons of thunder. I love that. 
and John, his brother, in the boat with thunder, Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, he called them. And immediately, someone say immediately. Are you seeing the pattern here? Not waiting for the right moment. Well, you know, I just need to wait till I'm really moved and inspired. I need to wait till my emotions match up with what my heart's telling me to do. No, no, you don't need to wait. When God moves, you say, where? If he says jump, you say, how high? If he says go, you say, how far, Lord? And in that moment, they immediately left the nets. Look what happens. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. May we pray, Father, in Jesus' name, take this word and put it in our hearts. God, we receive it. And I declare in the name of Jesus, we are good soil today. Say this with me. Say, in Jesus' name, I declare, I confess, I am good soil. And by faith, I receive this good seed of God's good word in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. High five somebody on the way down. Amen. I don't know about you guys, but Annette and I love to watch HGTV. You got any HGTV fans? Got any DIY fans? I got to admit, I like DIY. A little bit more, a little more manly man on DIY. And I appreciate that, to be honest. There's a lot more drill action going on, jackhammers and such. And so I like DIY. And uh, we've been watching a lot of that lately because it inspires me to do stuff around the house. Annette has a plan. She knows if we can, she can get me watching that stuff, I'll get excited about it and I want to go do something. You know what I mean? Come on, ladies. We know what you're up to. Honey, let's watch a little HCTV. I know what you're doing. Honey, let's watch a little DIY network. And, and uh, I, we know what's going on, don't we, men? Am I the only guy who's figured this out? I, some of you guys are slow. You're just watching it, taking it in, being brainwashed. Episode by episode, all of a sudden, yeah, I got to do something. Where's my drill? I got I to gotta put up something. I got to fix something. Am I the only one who's on to this? Apparently so. We love watching this. Now, here's what I've noticed. Have you ever noticed how good looking everybody is? I'm like, man, that doesn't look like me working on something. Have you ever noticed how clean everybody is in the middle of this big old project? Have you ever noticed they have all the right tools? Have you ever noticed they got all the right equipment? I mean, I go out to my garage, I'm hunting. It's like search. I'm looking. I'm trying to find a screwdriver. I'm trying to find something. I'm just trying to find a hammer sometimes. Like, oh man, I got three of them up at the church. I don't have one here. I got to go borrow a hammer or make one out of the back of a wrench or something. I got, I got to, come on, you got, you work with what you got. So I'm out in the garage and we just move. So I'm trying to find stuff. Man, where do we put that? So I'm out there, I'm trying to figure out stuff, and I don't have the right tools. I don't have the right equipment, yet I'm trying to hang a 60-pound cement mirror on the wall. How many of y'all know you better have the right tools? You better have the right anchors. And you better find the studs. You know what I'm talking about? I got one of those stud finders. Beep! It tells you right where it is. Put it on myself. Beep! Just kidding. <laughs> kidding! <laughs> Just messing. I lost everybody right there. Let's get the Holy Ghost back in here. Holy Spirit, come. Be with us. Don't leave the building in our levity.
Yeah, this is for drilling a corner piece that you'll only need once in your lifetime, but look at the tool we have for it. You know, they're doing... I'm like, it's not happening. Let me tell you something. It's critical that in order to do the right job, you've got to have the right tools. If Jesus said, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, that means he's going to equip us if he calls us. Let me say that again, because some of you feel like, well, you know, Pastor Jimmy, I understand what it means. You know, we're supposed to share our faith. And I know we're supposed to make disciples. The Bible says it. I'm clear on that. Go, therefore, and make disciples. I'm with you there. I'm tracking. But I just don't know enough. I just don't have enough. And, and, and so I, I, I'm not going to do it right now. I'm going to wait. I'm going to let you guys that are more spiritual than I am, more equipped than I am, uh, if you're more, if you're stronger, you know, you've kind of got a leaning towards that. You're extroverted. By the way, I'm not. It's work for me to, to be around groups of people. You go, pastor? Yeah, yeah. God has a sense of humor. But God says, look, I'm going to call you to do something. But if I call you to it, I'm going to equip you for it. God will never call you in anything he doesn't equip you for. The only thing that we don't have is a mind to do. Because in our minds, we think we don't have the equipment for it. Let me tell you, when God shows up on the scene, he rolls up in a big old HGTV or a DIY truck, and the back opens, and there is every piece of equipment, every tool you'll ever need to do the assignment or the task which he has called you to do. Because God equips and he gifts the church to equip the saints. Okay, I'm going to look at that scripture now. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm not going to crack my Bible. I'm going to trust Randall on this. All right? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he himself, God himself, Jesus himself, gave some. Now, these are gifts to the church, and they're gifts for a reason. And here's what it says. To be apostles. You know what an apostle is? A sent one or a sender. We get all caught up in titles. Oh, we shouldn't use the word apostle. You know, that passed away with the, with the original apostles. Oh, really? Are we not still sending people out into the gospel, into the mission field? Are we still not appointing people and, and sending people out into missions? Oh, it's still happening, folks. And he gave some to the church to be apostles, some prophets. Oh, we got a prophetic edge in this house. Miss Juanice has been waxing eloquent lately in our prayer times in, in the prophetic and no credit to her, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, God's speaking. We have a prophetic edge. Pastor Rich has a prophetic edge, and, and if you're not careful, he'll just pick you out of a crowd and read your mail. So if you sin and you come here, just get ready. That's all i got to say. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He'll keep it to himself. Don't worry. <laughs> Some prophets. I have a prophetic grace, but it's different. I don't call people out and prophesy. I just see all the junk in their lives, and it breaks my heart. That's a tough one. I wish I had his. But God gave me what he gave me. He gave me some equipment. Now look at what it says. Apostles, prophets, some evangelists. Some evangelists. Some people have a gift, a grace, to not only share their faith and minister to people. You know, some people can get up and sneeze and people get saved. People like me have preached the gospel and I got I to sweat. I got to scream. I got to convince, man. I got to, I got to pour. I got to pray. And then some people just get up and go, hey, anybody wants Jesus come in the, in the aisles filled. I mean, that's a grace. There's a gift for that. But here's the powerful thing about all these and some pastors and teachers. 
Here's the neat thing about this list. When any of those kind of people show up in your midst, they inspire those graces in you. Have you ever noticed when a prophet comes and and there's a big service or you go to a conference where there's a prophet and he's doing prophetic things or if prophets come here and they speak and minister, all of a sudden you've got a prophetic edge for a while. Have you ever noticed that? Something happens. We get amped up in here and all of a sudden we're seeing, we're hearing God clearly. We're noticing things we didn't notice before. We have a heightened sense of awareness in the spirit of things. It's because these gifts to the church come and they release those gifts within the church. So when an evangelist comes, we had Mark Hewitt from Love and Care Ministries come here a couple summers ago and did a thing on evangelism. All of a sudden, we all felt stronger. All of a sudden, something in us began to release and we saw people get saved for a season because there was a grace released, a gift. That's what these graces, these gifts release themselves in the house. And so that that goes for all these different positions. Now, look what the reason is, okay? There's what, but here's why. For the equipping of the saints. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a saint. Now, some of you feel like sinners. You feel like, I'm not a saint, I'm a sinner because you don't know what I did last night. You don't know what I did last week. You don't know what I thought. You don't know what I said. Let me say something. It doesn't matter what you did. What matters is what Jesus did. Oh, I better say that again. I'm going to come over here. See, it doesn't matter what you did. What matters is what Jesus did. Jesus shed his blood and now it says this. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's the word. And we now have the mind of Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're pretty smart. You have the mind of Christ. And the scripture says, furthermore, and we know all things. Because we have the mind of Christ, we can tap into that for wisdom and solutions. Talk about equipment. So look what it says. This is why these gifts and these graces have been given to you, to the church, for the equipping. Equipping. We're going to look at the definition, so be ready with that, Randall, in a moment. For the equipping of the saints, for what? The work of ministry. Now, wait a minute. In my church back home, we paid the pastor to do the work of ministry. Oh, for real? Are you serious? Oh, your church was backwards. Hello. We don't pay the pastor to do the work of ministry. We pay the pastor to equip the saints for the work of ministry. This is why we have the fivefold working in our midst. Not so we don't have to do it. Your tithe is not to pay us to do ministry. Our tithe is what we do because God says, I'm going to equip the church. I'm going to equip her with the gospel to get it around, bring that into the storehouse and let God use it. So don't even think in terms of we're somehow paying and this is our tax to be a member of this church. You've missed the point completely. My position, Pastor Rich... Ruth, Alan, Josh, all of us who are on staff, officially, vocationally, we're here to do this very thing, to equip you to do... Why? Because I can't be in your cubicle at 2 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon, hanging out with your employee friend who's broke, who's shattered, whose heart's been devastated. I can't be there. 
can't always get us on the phone, can't always catch us on Facebook, can't always tweet us. You can't always get us on the phone. In fact, you can never get us on the phone if you call here. That's just, you can't always get us because that's not our job anyway. Is this making sense to anybody? Somebody's hit a religious choke point. I feel it right now, and I don't even have to be spiritual for that. Because some of us have grown up in a church setting where our paradigm was, is that the pastor is to witness and win people to Jesus so we can applaud on Sunday morning. The youth minister is supposed to grow a big youth group so we can pat him on the back and go, we have invested our money well. Our tithes and offerings are working. Wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. You, you, and you, and you, and you are to be winning your friends to Jesus and saying, I want you to come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Come check it out. This is where we get equipped. This is where we get our, this is where we get our Sears Craftsman weed eater so we can weed the, trim the weeds out of your life and the sin and the junk. This is where we get equipped. This is where we get inspired. This is where we get the tools we need to do what we're called to do. Right here in this place. So what are the pastors and elders for? I mean, to do this, equip, inspire, raise you up. On a Sunday morning, you walk out of here bigger than you were when you came in because your faith has been stirred by the word. You've been challenged. You've been inspired. You've been in God's presence. And you walk out in the world and they should say about us what they said about the disciples. And is this, they took note that they had been with Jesus because something gets on the inside of us. Is this making sense? Hey, I believe this one. I wasn't on staff in a church. This isn't about sloughing off responsibility. Our responsibility is to give you the tools. Our responsibility is to equip you for the work of ministry, for the edifying. The word edify means to build up. In other words, the body of Christ should be growing because you're taking the tools and equipment that we give to you, which means you must avail yourself to them. And now you're taking those tools and going out. Where do we see that lived out? We saw it in that video we just saw. Was a, seeing the fruit of that and seeing a bunch of crazy teenagers who could be anywhere else. But instead they give up a week of their summer, a week of sleeping in, folks. You think that's not a sacrifice to them? Don't you remember? Some of us have forgotten. Sleep until 12 noon. Sleep 1 o'clock, 2, Whatever. I see some of your Facebook posts from four in the morning. I'm like, what are they doing up? (laughs) They're being a teenager in the summer. But they gave stuff up. They could have been anywhere, but they opted to be there under the teaching and the challenge of the Word of God. Why? They're getting equipped. They're getting stirred. You can tweet this if you want. They're getting inspired. They're getting touched. God's working in their lives. So we get to see a video of them having fun and them getting crunk in Jesus. Come on now. Getting excited, having a good time, dancing. Getting baptized, man. I love it. Was Anthony standing there with his hands up, got his glasses on. He didn't care. I'm about to get baptized with my glasses. Oh, no, here. I love that. Comes out of the water. He's like, yeah. What is that all about? It's about equipping. You know what? The teenagers that went on that trip and sacrificed and paid money, they literally put themselves in a position to be equipped. They gave up something to get something, and God showed up, and they got the equipment. 
They got the equipment. What does it look like? They come back enthusiastic. They come back wondering why we're not excited. Is that not the truth? They come back going, man, why aren't they passionate? Be gracious with us. We didn't go to camp. <laughs> right? We worked. <laughs> we, we wiped babies' tails. We did everything we have to do. We took care of business while y'all were gone. So be gracious with us. Does that make sense? Okay, be patient. But, but don't, but keep pressing us, okay? Don't give up on us. So it means to be equipped. Now, for the building up the body. Let's keep going. Until, now we're supposed to do this until this happens. And we're going to have to identify if this has happened or not. Until we all come to the unity. Are we all in unity yet? No, we're getting there, but we're not there. doesn't mean perfect as in perfection. No mistakes, no flaws. It means whole and complete. So be complete as he is complete. And how many of you are leaning that way? I didn't say arrived. I said leaning. Let me tell you where you have arrived. You've arrived in Christ already because that's how he sees you. So just know whenever you see that, don't just check out and go, okay, it's done. The, the bar's too high. I can't reach it. Let me tell you something. God loves you so much that he gives you this incredible bar and says, look, this is where you're supposed to live and I'm going to equip you to live there. I'm going to give you what you need to get there. So don't give up. Lean toward. Someone say lean toward. You know what it means to lean towards something? That means you're not there, but at least you're getting some momentum. At least you're making movement. At least you've got a little inertia moving that way. Lean in, lean in, lean toward. Till we come to the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God to a complete man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness in Christ. We're not there yet, so we've got to keep equipping. We've got to keep doing what we're doing. That we should no longer be children. Tossed, look at that, to and fro, back and forth. And carried about with every wind of doctrine. Be careful about every heavy revy you read on the internet. Or that every popular prophet has a new word. Man, I'm telling you, around the, the first of the year, you're going to start seeing. Prophet so-and-so's got a word for America. So-and-so's got a word for America. So-and-so's got a word for Afghanistan. So-and-so's got a word, got a word, got a word. Read their words from the year before and make sure they all came to pass. Or that they were accurate. Because it, chances are they probably aren't. Does that mean they're illegitimate prophets? No, but thank God we're under grace, not the old covenant. We had to go kill them all. No, I'm serious. We'd have to stone them, right? So we're under grace now, but be careful that you're not just catching every heavy revy on the internet coming down and listening to every preacher and go, oh my gosh, why aren't we doing this? Why didn't my pastor preach like that? Why didn't our worship leader lead worship like Darlene Chet? Because he's a man and he's black. He's not going to be Darlene Check. Hello. Give me a break. He's going to be who he is. He's going to dance in the Holy Ghost. He's going to make me want to get crunk, okay? Come on. Make this white boy want to move a little bit. I have learned more in eight years. And still far to go, obviously. But I have learned more by being in a multicultural church. Let me tell you something. This looks like heaven, folks. And if you have a problem with this, oh, you're going to be so shocked in heaven. There will not be a corner for you. Well, our people are going to be over here, and there will be a high fence and a wall. No, no, no. No, no, no. Mm, okay, I'm going to resist. Moving right along because we're running out of time. But speaking the truth in love. I hope that's what I'm doing today. I love you. I'm in love with this church so much. 
Eight years, and listen, I love you more than when I got here. I just do. I am hopelessly devoted to you. Oh, man, I have too many movie references. Okay. (laughs) All right, back to where speaking the truth in love may grow up. I need to grow up. In all things, into him... Who is the head? Christ. Christ. This is Christ's church, by the way. Welcome. You're a part of the bride of Christ. And when God sees you, he just gets all gushy and he gets all flushed. And he goes, wow, she's beautiful. Three weeks ago, I had a moment in the pulpit towards the end of the service where the fog lifted for a second. And I saw you as God sees you, not as any of us see each other. Because when we see each other, we see our stuff. We see our flaws. We go, oh, they had a bad hair day. Ooh, should not have worn that with that. You know, I mean, we... Come on, we're just all, you know, what's up with Patrick Jimmy's hair? I mean, come on. We all have, we, we just think that way. But every once in a while, listen to this, the fog lifts and all of a sudden you look out or you look across the room and you see the bride of Jesus. I don't get those often, but man, when I do, it messes me up for a good while until the next time the fog lifts. But I had a moment three weeks ago when I was standing there looking out at you guys. And I mean, I almost, I almost lost it. I was just overwhelmed, overcome with, the, with emotion, just going, the bride, where else, where else can you get a bunch of people from different countries and nations and backgrounds in West Central Texas to get together and go, I'm laying down everything because my love for Jesus is more important than my preferences. Where else is that going to happen? Do you not understand? We're already so beyond walking in faith in most folks just by showing up here. By the way, that's another one of the points about being equipped. And I said, I made mention of it earlier, and it means you've got to avail yourself to what we offer to you. In other words, we can hand you tools, but if you don't plug the tool in, take the tool, use the tool, squeeze the trigger on the drill, if you don't, if you don't use what we're giving you, then fruit will not be produced. Nothing will be built. And the whole point is to edify the body of Christ, to build up, build up, build up, build out, build up, build out. It says we may grow up in all things. Next verse. From whom the whole body, someone say the whole body. That means all of us, even the ones sitting here who feel like you're outside the loop. The whole body, all of us. Together, because we get in this thing where we think it's all about them. It's all about, oh, they're on the inner circle. And, oh, why did I get passed over? Be careful. By the way, that's God testing you, not the devil attacking you more than likely. Amen? God loves to test motive. Look at that. From the whole body joined and knit together. Pastor Rich read this earlier. By what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which. Now, look at this. By which every part does its share. Every part has a role to play. I can tell you right now, when we showed up in prayer, I noticed immediately that Daniela and Magali were not there because they're at part and they've become an integral part of our prayer time. And when they're not there, they're at a wedding in the Metroplex. And when they're not there, something's missing. If you've ever lopped off a body part, You'll notice that something's missing. 
Something will not feel right. You'll be off kilter, out of balance. Things will not flow like they're supposed to. My uncle Ronnie was in Vietnam. And he was sitting under a tree eating his... What are those ready-made... MRE, eating, enjoying a warm, hot meal. And a shell, friendly fire. It's not friendly if it hits you, right? A shell bomb there hit their unit, and it, it killed several in his unit, and he lost his leg, his left leg. And I remember going to visit him out in Southern California when he was going through rehab, and they would brought him back over. And by the way, he was on the fast track to be a pro football player. He was a star in Lubbock, Texas at Lubbock High School and was scouted and recruited and played football at Texas A&I University. And then he got drafted. And when he got drafted, when he came back, his plans were to, to walk on. He was going to play pro football. He had the goods. And he got his leg blown off. And I'll never forget, because I grew up seeing all my uncles, Ronnie, Don, James, their family, close. And I'll never forget walking into that VA hospital out in Southern California and walking out there and seeing him, and, and I was just taken aback because he was missing. A, listen, folks, when one part of the body is gone, everybody notices. And it's funny how some of us will think, well, I'm just not really that important, so if I don't show up, no one will notice. Let me tell you something. This is a reality. If we don't notice you by name that you're not here, we will notice you by presence that you're not here. This is impossible. No one can manage more than 10 relationships. It's been proven. You can barely manage 10 relationships at a time. I don't care if you're a pastor or the president. or You can barely manage any more than 10 at a time. It's not even realistic to think in terms that I'll know everything about you. I, I can't. Or that Pastor Rich will know everything about you. He can't. It's not even possible. And so we're in these concentric circles that intermingle and touch and networks all throughout this body. That's the way it is. Whether we're 200, 250, 3,000, it doesn't matter. It's going to be the same where you're going to have about 10 folks around you, 10 families around you that you can get at to some degree somewhat close to and get in their life and get to know them a little bit. But it's not realistic. But if you're not here, let me tell you something. We notice by presence you're not here. So one of the greatest things you can do is to show up because we need what you have. And I'm not talking about your checkbook. We need you and what you bring to this body because the Lord's given you certain gifts to utilize and use here. But if you're not here, we don't know. But we know you're gone. We know something's missing. Does that make sense? Let me finish with some practicals and we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up. Let's go ahead and have the worship team come up. Here's the first thing. In making it real for real life, I just said it. Show up. It's a ministry of presence. Just show up. But you don't understand. I can't preach. I don't teach. I don't play on the worship team. I don't, I'm not a part of the ministry of helps. I'm not a, I don't teach children. I don't do anything. Well, first of all, why not? Because <laughs> we could use you. We will find a place for you. But second of all, even if you've not plugged in specifically to a job place here, a position, so to speak, we still need your presence. And you need us. We need each other. That's what the body does. So just show up. That's 90% of it right there. It's a ministry of presence. Number two, use the tools we offer. I'm just going to throw some things out. The one-to-one book, the purple book, the Bible, your testimony. Listen, you may not be a theologian, but let me tell you what someone cannot refute, and that is you're experiencing God. 
Unless you're experiencing God is counter-biblical, no one can refute your experience, your history in God. Use your testimony. Prayer. Oh, there's a good tool. Life groups. What an opportunity. Come lay your life down for a group of other people. Well, they don't make me feel good. Hey, it doesn't matter. We need you anyway. It's not about you feeling good. It's about you connecting with other people. We know that what we ask you to do is so awkward and beyond most people's comfort zone. It's called the church. And God says, I've wired you to be interconnected whether you want to be or not. So come and get connected. Right there on that back table where Rob and Pastor Rich are. Pastor Rich, point. Be Vanna White for a second. Point, point at the... Right there. Those are our life groups. Those are our life groups right there. All you get, pull one of those out and get some information. We've got a place for you to fit, a place for you to connect. Thank you, Vanna. Bible study on Wednesday night. By the way, we go into the Word deep on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Every Wednesday night right here, about 45 to 50 of us show up right here in this section. We have full worship, and then we get into God's Word, and we go deep. We unearth gems and history and Greek and Hebrew, and we get in and say, what is this thing really saying? Let's mine out some of these jewels. That's available to you. Worship Sunday morning. We can offer it, but if you don't avail yourself to it and you're just here, just going, checking your email, then you're missing the whole opportunity to experience the very presence of God. Every time. These are just a few things. I just jotted these down. Avail yourself to what is here. This is tool, these are tools. This is equipment. Here's another thing. Be teachable, trainable, and equipable. You, even if you come, that doesn't mean you're able. <laughs> You've got to position yourself so that you are equipable, trainable, teachable, submitting yourself, saying, teach me, Lord. And the last thing, fill up. Never underestimate the power and potential of being close to Jesus. It's almost like without saying, but sometimes I think we need to say it. More important than the, than the job you do here at the church, more important than what you do, more important than what any of these guys do is the fact that they get in the presence of God. More important is what you do with Jesus. Are you in his presence? Are you in his word? Are you praying? Are you worshiping in private? Are you turning the cab of your car into a worship center? Do it. Be in his presence. That's more important than anything. Fill up, come, ready. Stay in the word, your confessions, practicing his presence. Your equipment, there it is, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the word, and your own history in God. This isn't deep, but it's necessary. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person here. God, help them know already that you have equipped every person that you've called. Every person you've drawn to yourself, you've already equipped them with gifts, with abilities, talents. Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak to our hearts right now. Thank you that you've equipped us.